Hi, and welcome back to the Sustainable Sleepover Club, a podcast by six young people about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, with incredible guest interviews, a breakdown of one of 17 goals in each episode, and a chat, like at a sleepover, in a way that's accessible to young people, about what we learned from each guest, including our own opinions, quotes, stats, experiences, and extra information. Let us know what you learned from this episode through our Instagram at Sustainable Sleepover Club. The goal for this episode is good health and well-being. Goal three. Instead of stats, for this episode, I'm going to share some incredible resources and support to seek help with your mental health. If after listening to this episode, you feel you need to find ways to look after your mental health daily, you can check out Spun Out, the Cork County Corlin Oak Instagram, and try out some practices we've mentioned that work for us on the podcast. You may also need professional support which you can find on the Mental Health Ireland website, including a list of supports such as Aware, Pieta House, Turn To Me, Samaritans, Bodywise, Women's Aid, Grow, and so many more. If you're a young person, you may prefer to seek support designed to help people under the age of 18 mainly, which you can do by going to the HSE website to find supports like Childline, Jigsaw, Belongta, Cams, and more. You can also speak to your local GP and if someone has attempted suicide or self-harm or is at risk, you can call 999 or the A&E department of your nearest hospital. Remember, reaching out is a sign of strength, not weakness. And here is a short message of love and care from us to you. This episode's guest is Alicia, who is a second year politics and French student at UCC. Originally from West Cork, she is currently preparing for her Erasmus year after a year long term as chairperson of UCC's Suicide Awareness and Mental Health Society, SOL. For the last five years, she has worked primarily on tackling the issue of stigma regarding mental health, a journey which began with her role as youth advisor in the I Am Whole campaign, run with YMCA England and Wales. As well as this, Alicia is a member of YMCA Ireland, having worked with them for five years on topics such as climate justice and youth empowerment through podcasts and creative projects. She is also a former Cork County Corla Nog chairperson, having worked on the topic of sexual health education reform in collaboration with the National Council of Curriculum and Assessment in 2017. Alicia has developed a particular interest in well-being, especially since the pandemic, and uses her personal experience in the advocacy work she has dedicated her life to. So, hi Alicia. Hi Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Good. excited to have some chats. <laughs> yeah, we're delighted to have you on. Um, so the first question is, because um, you work a lot in mental health um, and you mentioned um, tackling the stigma around mental health. So basically, what stigmas do you think exist around mental health? Um, and if you want to break some of them down for us. Definitely. Yeah. So I think you hear it a lot. It's almost a buzzword in the mental health world. You know, you, you got to break down the stigma um, among your peers. You have to break down stigma. But I think a lot of people actually don't really know what the definition of stigma is. You think it's just this um, kind of vague thing that exists that makes life harder for people who are struggling with mental health issues. But it actually means a mark of shame or discredit. So if you think about those are two very strong words. So stigma in of itself isn't just this kind of vague issue that's kind of present and we have to you know look after it somehow it's actually something very um sincere um and something quite caustic as well I would say so if you look at shame 
I think shame is a very strong emotion, a very strong word. And it's that a person is led to believe that they're weak or they're being silly for expressing certain emotions or certain needs that they have. And especially when somebody's actually genuinely in a real struggle, there's nothing worse than they can be that they can be offered other than shame. If you're met with shame when you've already taken that first step to express that you're struggling, I think there is nothing more detrimental to their journey of healing if they're met with that as first thing. And discredit as well. That's a big one for me because I've seen it time and time again in both my professional life and my personal life where somebody who is struggling with their mental health is discredited as being unreliable or dispassionate just because they're going through a particularly difficult time. I think just because somebody doesn't make you know, that meeting or isn't able to, uh, you know, maybe show up in a way that they used to. It's not, it's not always going to be like that. You know, I think mental health is like the weather. It kind of passes. There's good phases and bad phases for everybody. And you cannot discredit somebody just because they have shown themselves to be vulnerable for a certain amount of time or have to take a step back just because you take a step back for even a month or two from your professional duties, your volunteering duties, your personal duty as a friend, as a, as a partner, as a daughter, as a son, as a child, it doesn't mean that you're any less. It just means that you're vulnerable at this time. And I think that that is def- that's never a reason to discredit somebody as being unprofessional or unreliable or dispassionate. You know, we, we see it time and time again, oh, the person, they're not showing up. They don't care about this. They probably really do care. They probably really feel pretty sucky about not being able to make that meeting, but they need to take that time for themselves and to really know what they needed um, in that time. So I think that those two things, discrediting and shaming are so unhelpful in somebody's in somebody's journey towards healing or towards getting over a certain mental health bump in the road. And this language is very powerful because I think it expresses a lot of people's experiences who have been met with this shame or discredit. So that's what stigma basically is. And you can see a little bit by what I just talked about there, why it's so important to break that down because it's just so unhelpful and unnecessary and untrue. Um, it, It should be, Mental, speaking out about your mental health should be a call for support, for empathy, um, rather than exclusion and shaming. So I think it's really important that we are careful about the language we use, because often that can be a form of stigma. You hear time and time again people saying, uh, I'm so OCD. But in reality, just because you like having a tidy room doesn't mean you're struggling to the same extent as somebody who actually struggles with OCD, which can is, is a really serious disorder where it impacts your daily life on in a very huge way. And, or somebody says, oh, she's such a psycho. You know, for all you know, the person you're talking about could, could have some serious mental health issues. And by shaming them that way, by using psycho as a derogatory term, it can be extremely harmful if somebody hears that, if somebody is met with that when they're, when they're going through something. So I think language is also a huge form of stigma. Um, but yeah. That's, that was a bit of a rant, but those stigmas certainly exist. Um, and it's about being aware of them that you can start making sure that in your own life that you're advocating for others by not stigmatizing them using your certain language or the way that you um, receive people who, who have reached out for help. Yeah, no, that's like, um, that's a really good way of like kind of 
breaking down the stigmas by actually defining what, what is stigma. Um, because yeah, you always hear, you know, as you said, like the words sometimes, like especially on Instagram, um, and different social medias, you're kind of told what to think, and these words are included and not kind of how to think and what that actually means. Um, so I think that was a really, really good way to break it down. Um, and you mentioned as well that in, you know, you use your personal experience um, in your advocacy work. So if you feel comfortable, um, can you tell us a bit about those experiences or what you draw on? Of course. Yeah. So I think um, another thing when it comes to stigma is if you talk about your own personal experiences, which I've started doing kind of recently enough, you're also showing to somebody else that it's okay not to be okay. Um, so I think that kind of often is the first step that by opening up about your own experiences, that can be cathartic for yourself, but it also says to somebody else, you know, I've gone through this. If you've gone through something similar, I'm going to understand you. And that's not saying, oh, it's great to have mental health issues. It's awful. It, it sucks. It's, it's very painful, but at the same time, by opening up about it, I think, you can make a lot of other people very comfortable in opening up about it too. And it makes it that little bit easier. So that's why I've started kind of sharing my experience as well. So I suppose my experience of negative mental health started when I started college, because for the first time I was out in the world, I was on my own, despite having a lot of supports, you know, I have a great relationship with my parents. I have great friends. I had a lot of people around me who really loved me and took care of me. But a lot was changing and I didn't really know how to deal with that. And it kind of forced me to face my issues head on for the first time in my life. I think sometimes when you're in school, you can get in this run of just day in, day out. You get up in the morning, go to school and you come home and, you know, and I think that in that way, some just when there's this disruption of going to college or even when the pandemic hit and things change in a very sudden way, we can just tense up and go, what the hell is going on for you know, it's like you're waking up out of a dream almost and you're just like, whoa, things are pretty rough right now. So I suppose that was like my first real dip and it, it, it made me face a lot of things within myself. So I started seeing a counselor for the first time, um, which was really helpful, but also a really difficult thing for me to do. I think as somebody who, pri- I, I have a big, I've you know, I have a lot of pride in me. I was like, I'm fine. I can deal with this. I have all the tools, you know, I've so much support but at the same time I think when it comes to these things it it is really important as well to to seek professional help when you feel you need it and that's not a sign of weakness in fact it's a sign of strength of saying like you know what I have some stuff that I want to go through and I'm gonna go through them with somebody um so that was I suppose the first time I had like a real bad dip um in my mental health in a way that I'd experienced things that I hadn't really seen in myself before. I had a panic attack for the first time. It was very unpleasant. And I've had similar dips from time to time, basically since then. But that being said, I think it was only through that experience that I can understand why this mental health work is so important. I had been involved in mental health work before, um, but I never really, I don't think I understood the gravity of how important it was until I went through something myself that really kind of sh- shook me awake and said, there's a lot of people who are having a really tough time right now. And I'm just one of them. And I have a lot of support and it's still hard. So I think it made me think of all the people who don't have this that support in the same way, or maybe have a difficult relationship with their parents 
or don't understand their issues in a very clear way and that they don't, you know, that they needed more than me almost. If I needed it so much, imagine what these people need. So I really took that time to kind of reflect on the mental health work I was doing and yeah, I saw the gravity for the first time of how important it really is because mental health affects everybody. Nobody has, um, you know, there's, when I say mental health, I mean bad mental health or good mental health affects everybody or neutral mental health affects everybody. We all have it. It's it's the same as physical health. It's something you have to maintain. It's something you have to look after. It's something that could be kind of scary sometimes. Same way when you get sick and you feel like a child, you're like, oh, I'm so unwell. If it's the same if you're feeling mentally unwell. And I think when you when you realize that, you realize that how important the work is, that everybody is going to be affected by bad mental health at some point in their life, whether it be by a disruption or by a realization or whatever it is. And that by teaching people about these tools, by breaking down that stigma, that we can start as a collective to look after each other a little bit better and make sure that we're a little bit more cared for, a little bit more empathized for than if we're met with this this shame or discredit. Yeah, that's a really lovely way to put it. And I think, um, you know, that kind of like disruption is often kind of kind of how people, I suppose, can view um, their own problem, you know, in a clearer way, like you were saying, whether it be the pandemic or, you know, college or whatever. Because I know like even um, with kind of having kind of an eating disorder disordered eating kind of like in school you just go through the routine of you know you manage and you know when and you know there's kind of like just that routine of it and you can keep going um but like when you're in a like just at home all the time and you're that you're just that shock to the system something has to change you know um yeah so I think that was like a good way to frame it and also about um how um you know like with Corla even last year we were working um like at the moment on mental health and stress and it took me nearly that whole like time with Corla to realize that everyone had not even realize but really kind of work it into my life that everyone has a mental health um it just may not be rock bottom at the moment or whatever and hopefully it won't but that's through sustaining it and everyone has a mental health to look after um and I don't think like before that we hadn't been taught that. So that's, that's really, really important. Um, and actually in talking about Coila, um, something we haven't particularly gotten into on the podcast, but we have discussed as a group is sexual health education reform. Um, so what, in your opinion, is wrong with RSC, which is Relationships and Sexual Education um, in Ireland? And why does it matter? Yeah, so when I was in school, I definitely didn't receive a comprehensive sexual education. It was very heteronormative. It was um, very almost reductive. It was just like, oh, don't have sex, you won't get pregnant. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's kind of unrealistic, first of all. And also, sexual health is incredibly complex. There's a lot to it, um, which means that it has to be done in a comprehensive way. Um, and that's something that I only realized when I, you know, through Corla that I actually got sexual health um, training as such. We had a few sessions with the sexual health center in Cork. And I, the things that I learned that were so important for me to know, for me to tell my friends that I wouldn't have known otherwise was shocking to me. You know, the some basic fundamentals of pregnancy prevention, STI prevention, how to 
where to go to get an SDI check. These are not the things that we're taught in school. And those are the important things to know. But that being said, those are even just the basics. Those are the health, the literal clinical medical side of it. And that doesn't even begin to bring in the question of relationships. Relationships are so important in our mental health, our development, who we are as people. And to say like, oh, when a man and a woman, like, no, it's so much more complicated than that. It could be a, oh, are we together person? It could be a a partner. It can be exploring your sexuality, you know, like relationships are a lot of things and they're you can't have a relationship um in a in a vacuum you know there's there's a lot to it that I think is just completely disregarded um and not uniform enough across the board you know if you have a a random teacher flipping through the book and throwing a few things out at you but you need someone who's well trained understands the topic can answer those difficult questions and even if there's a few giggles at the back of the classroom sure what harm like at the end of the day you're still going to giggle about sex when you're in school and that's fair enough as well but I think you do need that somebody who really knows what they're talking about to talk about these issues because then you can ask those kind of trickier questions even after the class um and make sure that you have the answers so you're fully equipped. And when it comes to mental health, it's no different. You know, mental health and sexual health are inextricably linked. They're, you can't talk about consent without talking about mental health. You can't talk about um, your sexual well-being without talking about your mental health. There, you know, there's a lot. It's a very complex issue. And there are a lot of basics that are completely overlooked in the education system which I think can have an incredibly detrimental effect to young people's mental health as well. That, that there's a lot of things that could be avoided, a lot of difficult situations or difficult conversations or even life-changing situations. A teenage pregnancy is no joke. Like, you know, and that's going to affect your mental health for your entire life. It's going to be something that sits with you. And those are the things that aren't talked about, um, which I think is a real shame. I think it's a discredit to our young people um, because you can't have mental health without, you can't have sexual health without mental health. They're, they're, the, they're one and the same. Um, and that's something that was completely overlooked. Even the, ba- the cl- if even the clinical basics weren't looked at, you know, how can we even begin to look at relationships? So I think that there's definitely still a lot of work to be done. Um, but oh, I do hope it's getting better. You know, I, I feel old now. My God, I'm only 21. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's been a few years since I've been in school. So hopefully it is getting better as these things become more transparent as a result of the advocacy that, you know, everyone in this meeting is engaged with. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like it's it's so important that, as you said, even not even good, but like adequate sexual health education is like provided. Because I know in my in first year we had... Um, and RSE but it was about menstruation and prevention like very very briefly like a list of like contraceptives and then the menstrual cycle but like most of what we got was actually in third year we had we like studied the reproductive system in science and in fairness like we have we had three science classes and every like a different friends in each science class they were like 
everyone was asking questions and the science teacher could answer basic questions but she wasn't there like she in she, it wasn't in the course to bring in you know sex with disabilities or like sex with um you know people like gay relationships hom- homosexual relationships um and just like the different like sexuality itself and like um all the nuances of even like stis you know um and stds and like they're just it's it's only the basics and that's not what the science teacher is there for you know um so yeah again it's it all comes through advocacy so hopefully it continues um to improve so can you explain your course a little bit um at ucc um politics and french and why you're studying them yeah definitely so i suppose it what i'm studying does vaguely link in with my advocacy work but not not super directly so I'm studying politics and French as part of an arts international degree um so that's why I'm going on Erasmus in a few weeks um it's very exciting very scary it's all coming up but um yeah so my course is essentially quite broad it allows a lot of freedom um I would recommend it to somebody who knows that they have an interest in the humanities in you know political issues um even philosophy and there's a lot of uh, scope because you get a lot of choice with your modules, which is great. So that's kind of why I chose it. I did. I also did world religions um, in first year and European studies. And I decided to keep going with politics and French because I think it's a great combination. First of all, to have another language is to have access to a whole other world. And, you know, the French speaking world is way bigger than people realize. You know, it includes huge amounts of Africa. Um, a lot of the the islands that were formerly colonized by France. There's a huge French-speaking world out there. And I think when it comes to advocacy or international work, it is really valuable to have a language and hand-in-hand with that, the culture, you know, with you to be able to understand, a whole, you know, a huge amount of people in a way that you wouldn't if you were working through a translator or through broken English with somebody else. It's also like reaching out a hand. I think by by having somebody else's language, you already are saying, "Yeah, I've gone through the effort of learning this language so that we can we can build bridges." Um, so I think that I've always had an interest in international relations, I guess you call it, but you know, global citizenship, I would call it. I've always had an interest in that, and I think that politics and French go hand in hand very well. To to pursue that in some sense. I don't know what that is yet. I have a couple of years to figure it out. Um, but yeah, and it also includes an international year. So I'm going to be going on Erasmus in three weeks, I'm going to be leaving for a year. So I am making lots of lists at the moment and making lots of plans. Um, and you know, that that's something huge when it comes to mental health. It's like when you're, you're leaving a country, I know nobody in the city I'm going to. So I'm glad that I've kind of had the mental health journey I've had so far because I would not want to be shocked and not have the tools with me when I arrive in France and I'm like wait I literally know nobody so you know things like that even like these important life steps that we take especially in university there's going to be so many of them it's really important to have a few things in your back pocket that you can implement when you embark on things like an Erasmus or you know even moving to college these huge changes um so yeah, that's basically my course. Um, so this year I did some modules, you know, for example, on violence and war, a philosophical analysis with um, 
Dr. Vittorio Bufacci. If you ever go to UCC, take one of his classes. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. Or studying French literature, because you can't, I don't think you can understand a language unless you understand the culture with it. So there's a lot to it. It's very broad. Um, and it's great to be able to kind of nuance your, your studies in that way, I find. So study arts. You might not get a job, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. You will get a job. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And I hope you enjoy like the coming year as well. Um, so like as well, your work with like Solve um, and the I Am Whole campaign yourself, how do you look after um, and sustain your mental health and well-being? Yeah, so it was a little bit ironic, I suppose, when I was working quite hard being chairperson of Solve that I maybe didn't look after myself as well as I should have. But I think that often goes hand in hand that you kind of don't practice what you preach. So that's one thing I would say to all my fellow advocates is like, you know, really do practice what you preach or at least try because people will see around you that you're practicing your life in a certain way. And I think that that is more influential than making an Instagram post about it. So for me, it, it, it ranges depending on where I am at a certain time, mentally, even physically, I think my mental health preservation, I call it routine was very different when I was living in the city, as to when I'm in West Cork, because now I'm home for the summer. You know, I have my family around me, I have, I have a lot less space than I did when I was in the city, which means that I had to kind of adapt my routine to that. Um, and take time alone, for example, time alone for me is incredibly important for for nurturing my mental health. So that means taking a walk with my dog and just walking until I can't walk no more and coming home and I feel physically stimulated. I've had like the space to just let my thoughts go and be wherever they will go. Because I think often when you sit inside and you're staring at four walls, things can seem a lot bigger. Your thoughts kind of bounce onto the walls and back at you. So that's the first thing I say if anyone's kind of feeling slightly in crisis or or struggling to kind of just get out even if you do live in the city or a town to just walk around see new things you kind of realize the world is bigger than your room um, which can be really encouraging so that was a huge one for me so I was just getting out going for a run you know even if it's raining like go out just experience something stimulate yourself and then you can come home and be like man that was that was weird you know <laughs> you kind of you break yourself out of this cycle of of thoughts so I think that's really important for me is just getting out getting active getting going and also connect you know connection relationships are incredibly important for nurturing your mental health and that's why I think the pandemic especially for young people really hit hard because you know in order to to nurture ourselves we need to have nurturing relationships with people who understand us and people who support us and people who listen to us and we can learn from and you know those relationships were quite cut off I think for a lot of the pandemic particularly at the start because nobody knew what was going on and the second one that went through winter was just like it was so incredibly hard to to keep those connections going in the way that you naturally would in a school or a college environment so I really had to make an effort to call my buddies and check in on them, you know, talk about how I was feeling and just be there for one another and have a laugh. And, you know, like we watched films together on Zoom or, you know, I'd go to all these solve events and it was just something to do where I was in, had other influences, you know, coming to me. So I think that connections are 
incredibly important and putting in that effort to really stay connected because often when we struggle with our mental health it can be the first kind of you know warning sign is like oh I just want to pull the covers over my head and I don't want to have to deal with people right now but that can be incredibly isolating and in fact the problem can often get worse I think if if that's what you end up doing so you know that's a really important one for me is staying connected um putting in the effort to really get up in the morning and like for me meditation is a big one although I'm not perfect at all when it comes to it I'd love to say I meditate for two hours every day at 6am but I don't but when I'm in those places where you know I'm a bit like, what the hell is going on? I know how to sit down. I practiced it enough at this stage that I know how to sit down and find my calm place and center myself and ground myself. And that's something that'll only come through practice. Um, And it can be hard, but there's always, it's just the routine of just pure doing it. Sitting down, light your candle, put your hands on your knees and just do it for five minutes. And I'm sure that you will feel a little bit better. Often people I think can be afraid to meditate because they're afraid of what I might bring up. But that's a good thing too, you know, exploring these things and allowing those emotions to show themselves. So meditation is an important cornerstone, I think, of any mental health preservation, especially when we're so online and there's a lot of, like the world's incredibly busy, the world we live in, the lives we lead, it's, you know, it's hectic. There's a lot of information coming at us that I think it is important to kind of just take a step back from that sometimes. And meditation can look different for different people. It can be going for a walk can be a meditation if you just make sure you're doing it mindfully or if you're brushing your teeth that can be a meditation if you just make sure you're doing it mindfully and being present in your body and I know that that can sound a bit people say oh it's very airy fairy hippie dippy but it's not it's science you know it's it's good for your brain it's good for your nervous system it's good for your heart um and that's scientifically proven so even if you don't fully believe in it as a as a concept of, you know, mental health or well-being, believe in it as a concept of science. So meditation is a huge one. Um, and just, yeah, staying busy can be a great one sometimes. Don't sit in that room, just get out. Just go have coffee alone outside and journal. Journaling's great. Um, and yeah, get moving, get going. And ask for help when you need it. That's part of my, that's my mental health well-being routine. I think that's a great way to end. So everyone get active, um, you know, nurture your relationships, journal, um, meditate and just, yeah, you know, seek help as well if you need it is an important one um, that you mentioned as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a great conversation. Um, and I hope everyone else is like um, anyone listening as well, you know, looks after mental health and is a reminder because you can still forget like you can still you know get lost in whatever work it is you're doing so just to kind of take a minute to analyze are you looking after your mental health um I think this episode is a great reminder um so thank you so much for coming on Alicia um we loved having you (laughs) thanks so much for having me guys and um yeah (laughs) what a laugh (laughs) (laughs) bye welcome back um so I know we did a check-in last time but maybe um name age pronouns and to get it going um how you look after your mental health would mean maybe like a nice segue um so Gabby do you want to go first uh sure hi I'm Gabby I'm 17 um I use she her pronouns and oh damn (laughs) that is quite the question and let me think I oh 
this is like I don't know sort of method looking after my mental health, but I'm going to say that it is. And it's Netflix in the evening. Um, I always can like take the time to try and like finish stuff and then go down and watch like some show. It doesn't have to last too long. It was Shit's Creek for a while. Then we moved on to Atypical, which was also really good. And it's nice. It's just my little relaxer at the end of the day before I go to bed. And that's my thing. Lovely. Um, I hope as well, anyone listening, you can be getting ideas as well. Um, Anna, do you want to go next? Um, hi, I'm Anna. I'm 17. And the way I look after my mental health should probably be doing a lot more. But um, I like to, when it's like late at night, maybe around 12, just put my headphones in, play music really loudly and have like a silent disco in my bedroom by myself. It's so cathartic. It's so nice. <laughs> Like you just dance your heart out basically until you're tired enough to go to sleep and take your mind off of things, which is a really fun time. So yeah. Silent discos. Interesting. Um, Ayushi. Hi, my name's Ayushi. I'm 15 and Ayushi hear pronouns and my way of relaxing and like taking care of my mental health would probably be putting on like rain sounds. I don't know why I'm just obsessed with rain sounds and drawing and like making up little like stories for different characters which I never repeat so it's kind of keeping it new yeah I'm Eve um hi I'm Eve I'm 17 I use your pronouns and I think the way I take care of my is kind of the opposite to what Alicia was saying even though I like truly understand like everything um I feel like a lot of times I'm like always go 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 so like I like feel like for the first time this year I've like started like taking resting as like something productive rather than like as you said like a sign of weakness at the start she said that but like I feel like just like taking a break like not doing anything like planning a day where you don't do anything like you just watch Gilmore Girls stay in your pajamas drink coffee like that's my idea like this is just like for me time that's kind of it. Mm, that's really nice um I think that's the thing as well like everyone's mental health is different so everything what you do is going to be different as well um I think for me, Amy, she, her pronouns, um, I'm 16. And I think like, for me, like you were kind of saying, there's like a balance between like a lot of the time, like exercise or whatever, like does make me feel like good and better. Um, but I feel like for a long time it didn't, like it was like a punishment and I had to like kind of take a step back from that. And now it's something that I enjoy and doesn't have an end goal or anything like that. Um, but like, yeah, the place of which that was coming from was really important for a long time. Um, but I think if that's not working, just kind of like baking and like, but doing it like slowly, um, reading before bed, or I will just be like reliving my thoughts like a hundred times before I sleep, um, which is awful. Um, and just writing, because I just like obsessively have to write down what I'm thinking and stuff. So yeah, just whatever, just being soft, I think as well. And just kind of yeah like letting yourself be vulnerable um okay so what did you guys think um of the interview and do you have anything to add I thought it was so good like everything she was saying I was like oh not my head like taking <laughs> notes I was like yeah like I agree with like practically everything like especially what she was talking about like how like practicing what you preach like for so long I'd be like giving advice to my friends like oh like you know like make sure you're like you know being nice to yourself and like blah 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 and then like in my own head I'm like I hate you so much and it's like that is not okay like especially like she said like seeing someone act a certain way is way more influential than like 
Instagram posts or like words or whatever and it's so true like seeing like people take care of themselves and like really just like living like happily and like in the moment and like I just like being soft with themselves is so much more like for me was like a real thing like oh yeah like I could do that too like if I wanted like I don't have to compare my life I can literally live that life if I want to and like having an example to like take from is like so helpful when like trying to like deal with your own problems I guess so like I thought that was so important and like it's so important to like do what you say to others and like you know like make sure that you're looking after yourself too while like taking on a big responsibility of like helping everyone else like that was so important no that's so true because even then like when I have friends who give me advice and things I'm like will I really take this advice like I know for a fact that you do not do this so why are you telling me to do this you know and I'm guilty of it too you know go drink water stay hydrated go on long walks without your phone like I'm so guilty of all of those things like advising people to do things and I'm so hypocritical in that way but yeah it really does mean a lot more when it it seems more sincere because sure like you do care if you're giving people advice like this obviously you care about them enough to think about them and want them to do well for themselves but it's not quite sincere when you don't do that for your own self and so yeah even like treating living by example that's the best way to live definitely your words can seem so empty but actions they definitely speak loud enough definitely and even like with like we've talked about this before but like the view of productivity like I'm 100% guilty of like putting productivity in the traditional sense above anything like just doing something to do something and then like with activism just not like taking breaks just going like at it like all day and you're just sitting in front of a laptop and I'm like completely guilty of that but for me that was like something that I kind of I'm continuously trying to practice but also just change your actual mindset of um and I think like it's coming from a place of um like learning while also you know while kind of trying to help other people but like learning yourself and recognize that you mightn't be 100% there either um and just again that we sometimes forget to remind our mental health and kind of step back into it um yeah definitely really good points I think like as well like she was saying like um like school kind of like puts you in a rut and like having a big shock to your system like you said like it's like something needs to change here because it like really alerts you like I feel like oftentimes we like get stuck in these like negative habits particularly in like so like summer's kind of different but like in school times I know all of us are in school right now so that's what I'm saying it but like you kind of get stuck in like habit of like routine and then like denial of your feelings because you're just like trying to get through it and then like it all builds up and amounts up and then suddenly you're just like oh my god what the heck so like those like simple little habits of like even just like just like meditating trying to meditate every morning or like even as you're brushing your teeth like taking a moment and like just to just like calm down like get out of your house is like so important like when you're in that routine and you have these like tiny habits they don't seem that significant in the moment but they build up like I think if you I don't know what I'm saying if you if if you want to like break out of that system and you continuously believe like oh like oh, school is just awful like I hate like my like my routine is so dull blah 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 and it's because of all these tiny little things but if you can like put like one like tiny little good thing in your day it will build up the same way the negative things build up does that make mm-hmm. sense so like that one small thing will eventually start to get like better and you'll feel better and then you'll be able to add another small thing and like it just all adds up like so fast and I think like what you said about like having like the, like the pandemic was like for some people it was like a big shock it was like a horrible thing and it really like for me it was awful like whatever but like other people like really thrived because it was like oh something needs to change here I need to get out of this mindset and like 
having that change or like college as Alicia said like it was like an opportunity to either like for her it was like a big shock and like a change was not that great and like she had to like learn how to deal with that but it can also could be like an op- like her Erasmus trip like that'd be an opportunity for her to like really just like live like the way she's like been able she's like got all these skills I can't I'm rambling so much like she's like got all these skills now she has all these skills she can go on that trip and like feel like a lot better than she would have when she was starting college and like I think that's what everyone should aim for is like having those like tiny little skills and like moments of like for yourself to like live your best life that sounds so cringy and I was rambling for that I'm sorry that was really good Eve I think like one thing when it comes to mental health I think it's important to try and get to know yourself if that makes sense you know like because like Eve was talking about like routines and stuff for example you know and like I know myself I'm I am a person who thrives off of a schedule do you know what I mean the routine like it doesn't have to be the same thing every day but I do work well off of schedules whereas like I know other people they'd hate it they'd absolutely hate it it would just make them like miserable you know and I mean obviously you don't have a lot of choice of this when you're in school and sometimes people don't have a lot of choice of it in the workplace because like they're working they need money you know it is a privilege to be able to say no I don't like this job I'm going to do something else you know but I think that's like because like even the example I gave earlier on in terms of like taking care of my mental health, you know, that's like a little thing I do at the end of the day and it's fun and it's relaxing. But I think there's also like practical structural things that you put place throughout your day to kind of look after your mental health that way. And like I know myself, it would be scheduling things, you know, like I get up every morning, I would write out a list of what I'm doing today. You know, and it helps me as well be like, oh, am I forgetting something? No, I'm not. Here's my list. And then I'd highlight it off when it's done. And it just makes me feel so much better about the day. I feel productive. I feel like I've gotten things done because I can see them written down. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I think it's important to kind of get to know yourself that way. Because I know myself, like, if I don't do this some days, I'm like, oh, like, I just feel miserable. You know, I don't know if I've gotten things done or like what's happening here. So like, I think that's the thing, you know, like people work differently off of different things you know um and that getting to know yourself is an important part of maintaining good mental health and I I think that's really important as well because also like you know self-care and well-being has kind of been missed like people get it mixed up with this version of self-care and wellness which is not actually what it is that you know is an industry that is being profited off of, of like, you know, face masks and spa trips that only people who have extreme like privilege can really pay for, um, like on the everyday and like maids and stuff like that. And also are the people who, it's not that mental health won't affect them at all. That's not what I'm saying. But people who have been like further marginalized are going to face issues that makes, you know, makes your mental health issues like worse a lot of the time. Um, And I think like, mixing self-care up with that whole like cloud of messy money um is like it's it's something that we've been led to believe but it's wrong and I think what you were saying about like actual daily structures um are so much more important and it's kind of like Eve was saying about like how you talk to yourself how you value yourself um it's about like I know that I love and this is again just something that is just there for me but that I've taken advantage of is that I can walk to school because it's really close and walking to school like those few minutes where you just like tried to get out the door and then you're you're not just like driven in a car and like you know like for me I would just not I would just be like thinking all the time so that's just like my minute before I get in the school door or like I have to make lists of the whole day of 
if I'm making dinner of like what to make, you know, the steps, like it's more those everyday things, that's self-care and being, again, like being soft, how you talk to yourself, that's self-care more than any face mask is going mm. to be. Do you know what I mean? And that can be part of your self-care if it helps, but it doesn't have to be. I think that's important. I think that's really interesting. And it is something that you notice, like, as I suppose maybe this, the commercialization of like the self-care industry nearly at this point, you know, and I suppose like there's a lot of like, I suppose a lot of what you see on social media can be like, you know, take a bath, take the day off, light a candle, you know, lovely things to do if your mental health is in a stable place and you need to relax, I think. Do you know what I mean? You know, but if you've not been able to get out of bed for three days or you spend every day just feeling like you're going through a fog, you need, and again, this is something that unfortunately mightn't be financially possible for some people, but you need to see a doctor. Do you know what I mean? You know, and that can be a difficult step for people to take, but you need to go, you need to talk to your GP or if you can't afford that, there's like people online that you can speak to for free, you know, but you need to take practical measures to look after your mental health that way, you know, and that can be difficult. Often that can be like the hardest step for people, you know, and I think it's very easy to kind of hide behind the whole like rub a crystal on your face and everything will be fine. But like that is, again, it's nice and it makes people feel better in their daily schedule sometimes. But if you're really struggling, then like you need to talk to a medical professional, you know. Mm. It's like putting a plaster on a broken leg, like really. Mm. like Sure. I mean, it's nice. And I suppose on the surface, it looks like it's working. Um, maybe you can do it in tandem with proper like in-depth care. But I think that's the way you have to do it sometimes. And it's hard to admit that you need professional help. It's easier to buy a candle and get on with your life. Um, but it is, it is so hard to admit that you need help, especially if you're young and you don't have medical autonomy or something like that. And you need to talk to your parents first, for example. It can be really difficult, but there are options out there, I think. And like people have done good work in publicizing lists if you want to check them out. I think we might have some on our socials as well. Um, but I think it also goes hand in hand in hand with what she was saying about um, stigma and shame, because there's not a huge stigma yet in lighting a candle and taking a day off <laughs> and having a bubble bath. Like that's lovely stuff. And but unfortunately, the reality of dealing with mental health isn't as nice and isn't as warm and fuzzy. So it's still stigmatized because people haven't kind of taken the time to make it approachable and make it appealing and nice looking because mental health is a messy thing it's not going to look nice it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be instagram worthy or whatever um and so there is a level of shame associated with it still so i get that it's difficult but it also comes back again to everyone kind of doing a small part to reduce the whole stigma that alicia was talking about i think like that's such a like interesting point and like I think like people have this idea as Amy said like that it's like always pretty and it's always nice but self-care isn't always pretty like sometimes it's literally just getting up and brushing your hair and like trying to like you know like pull yourself out of a place that like is is hard to do like it's so easy to be like oh yeah I'm getting down today so I'm gonna take a bottle bath but like I've been feeling over the past week and a half and like what do I do you know like it's you and I don't want to go run a bath and sit in my own juices I hate baths oh my god they're so gross um, <laughs> 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 I'm 
sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but like, but like, self care is hard. Like, I was making, I made it put in case anyone's wondering, there is a post on Cora's Instagram, like, crying to Cora, and I was making that post about like self care and self love and self growth. And like, I was really like trying to like think, like, what are ways that aren't just like, oh yeah, let's do a face mask. Like, how can I like examine my life and like, how can I like help myself in those moments? And it's not like a super in-depth post. I don't like go off it. Like it's not medical or anything. Um, But like some days, like you just have to be the person who can like put herself out of bed and like talk to yourself and be like, okay, you can do this. Like get through this, make breakfast. You can go back to bed, but just like, it's not always so nice and pretty, but the difference between it being that is how you talk to yourself in that moment so in that moment if you're like in your bed and you don't want to get up and you're like oh my god I hate you so much why can't get out of the bed get out of the bed like you're such a lazy like something that's not going to help you but if you say to yourself okay like calm down you can do this like take a moment like take a breath sit up be nice be calm it's all in how you like talk to yourself and be yourself and like as Gabby said like it's so important like if you really are struggling to like seek help and like as Alicia said and Anna said there like sometimes seeking help is so so hard and so difficult but it's it's one of the bravest things you can do like there's a quote like you know that book it's like the boy the horse the fox and the mole it's like a like an illustration book there's a quote in it and it's like what's the bravest thing you've ever said ask the boy help said the horse and it's so true because it's like asking for help seems so so scary but like 99.9% of the time it's so worthwhile like it really is and like as Anna was saying like those stigmas that surround asking for help like need to be broken down and like but it I don't know where I was going with that point but like it's so true like at the end of the day like you can't do it alone a lot of the time like and you need someone there so like as Alicia said like making the effort to like communicate and like making the effort to get up is like difficult but like it's so worth it like at the end yeah I think like sorry, go ahead. sorry Amy go ahead you sure <laughs> um I think as well like it's again for me that like self-care it's about sustaining your life, especially when it gets really, really, you know, when it, when it gets bad for people, it's not about, you're not going to be able to patch it up. Like self-care is literally just whatever it takes to sustain yourself in that moment. And I think as well, um, something we talked about in the first episode actually was, I think it was the first episode, um, was about, it was around International Women's Day. And we were like, a lot of men were like, you know, not all men. And what about, you know, men's day whatever and at the time that wasn't the place for that conversation like it really wasn't um to be for like men to be bringing their agenda into a really like traumatizing time um but like there is we did stay say it like there is a conversation there is a men's day there is a conversation we had you know like about men's mental health and like like a men's rights movement did start about like um you know men being able to kind of speak about their emotions and like breakaways from stereotypes of masculinity while like kind of completely aligning themselves with um like just general equality um for all genders um that's not what the movement looks like now um you know but it's kind of more of a preserving patriarch type situation but like that's where the movement stem from and that is a really important to have um about how masculinity or the typical performance of masculinity does kind of prevail in a way that um stops men from being able to talk about their their feelings um and it's a huge structural problem that we need to tackle and it leads to huge mental health issues and high rates of suicide with them within men and it's not that anyone has a monopoly against um like pain or and again like this you know straight white cis men they can have mental health problems of course but like men of color men with disabilities you know um gay men are going to have again these are going to be exacerbated again 
And I think it's the same system. Like if men aren't taught to like how to deal or with express their emotions, it's the same system that like, and it, this doesn't like in any way, um, kind of, you know, make up for violence or like, you know, t- like kind of make an excuse for it. But it, you know, it does create like, um, like violence against women and sexual violence broadly as a like a product of patriarchy and abusers and rapists they're not like monsters in the shadows they are men that women know um and again not excusing that violence but it does come from a system and it just it harms men and I think again um like men don't equal the patriarchy necessarily but you know they should be like trying to break it down but I think again it's just saying that like men bringing their narrative into something like International Women's Day isn't the place you know it isn't um but there is a conversation to be had about how stereotypes and things do affect men um and yeah I just think it with mental health it's it's a very big point I think that kind of uh, feeds into the stigma that like um like having mental health problems or like asking for help is weak you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I think that's kind of the whole like basis of like like obviously we all know like the men's suicide rates are higher because like that like typical idea of masculinity like kind of prevents someone from asking for help and like but that whole stigma of like asking for help is weak is just so wrong like it's 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 one of the hardest and strongest thing you can do is ask for help and ask for guidance so the whole stigma in general needs to be gone. Mm. Tomorrow, guys, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> Four or five of us can do Just it. Break down stigma with Eve on the seventh <laughs> of August. You're invited. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true though. And I think like on top of stigma, I think one of the scary things for people about asking for help and looking for help is the fact that things are going to change if you do that. Well, hopefully things will change. Hopefully someone will acknowledge that, you know, okay, let's help you. And I think that can be scary for people, especially if you've been stuck in like a place for such a length of time, change can nearly be the most terrifying thing. Do you know what I mean? You know, the idea. And I think in a way, like, and it's, you know, bettering your mental health isn't going to be fun. Do you know what I mean? It isn't the easy path to take. You know, I think you nearly have to look at, you know, having a mental illness like having a physical illness. If you broke your leg in the morning, you know, that's going to hurt. You're not going to enjoy it. Um, you know, you're going to get a cast and then it's going to start healing and then you're going to have to do physiotherapy on it. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I think kind of like improving your mental health, it's like the mental physiotherapy. Physiotherapy is not fun. Do you know what I mean? It's it's an hour of you sitting inside in a room going through agony and going, why am I here? Sure, my leg is fine. It's grand, you know, but it's not it's not fine. It's not grand. And it will make you stronger in the end of the day, you know. Um, but I think that can be one of the scary things for people is that something is going to change, you know, um, and when, like I said, when you've been in a certain place for so long, you know, you might want things to change, but you can also be scared of that change happening. I think that's like so true. Like, I think a lot of the times when you're in a bad place, you almost don't realize it um, until you're out of it. And for a lot of the time, it can almost be a comfort place, like a comfort zone, like staying in your room and like not going out and not talking to people can be like a comfort zone, you know what I mean? So like getting help is like, as you said, like so hard. I love the comparison to physiotherapy, Mm -hmm. like mental physiotherapy is like recovery. It's so true, like because 
you can almost like you're if you're doing something for so long if you're in a place for so long like it does become like like almost like not a comfort necessarily but like a safe space or something where you can just like cry by yourself or like whatever like I know for like whatever myself but like in recovery like that was not fun and that was not hard and that was not easy and like a lot of time you just kind of like want to go back to like where you were because it's denying it is way easier than facing it like it always is like denying it and putting it to the back of your mind pretending everything's fine pretending I'm as good is so much better and easier in the moment but in the long term like it really affects you so like choosing to get help is so difficult and the actual journey will always be difficult like it's not gonna be pretty and fun like there will be good moments but there will also be hard moments and tough moments but the end result is always worth it always like in everything I ever I don't I never heard anyone say oh yeah I regret recovering from <laughs> my month you know I mean like in sort of or I I regret getting help I've never heard that before so <laughs> definitely um I think that was like a really nice message to kind of go out on um and I couldn't agree more um yeah if anyone does have any final messages though um you can say them now um and if not Gabby do you want to lead us out uh sure do um coolio okay guys uh I mean wait does anyone have any final messages actually start? <laughs> <laughs> um no okay um I don't think I do either um We'll do the countdown. A hint, a do, a three. Slong. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. Also, you can read the entire transcript of every episode in the link to our Google Drive, which you can find on our Instagram. Once again, online youth information chat is live from 4pm to 8pm Monday to Friday at ymca-ireland.net slash question or find ymca at yi young voices you can find our instagram account at sustainable steepover club because we'd love to engage with you our listeners every second thursday we will release a new episode but for now slán. on